Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm actually recording this introduction for the second time right now. The first time I was like, huh, don't really have anything new to share. It's going to be a quick intro. Good, good. Was almost done. When a freaking Kferdinker car parade started coming through my very, very quiet neighborhood, Kferdinker is sort of the name for alternative thinking, I guess they want to be called in, in Germany. In this case, it's it's mostly COVID deniers or people who don't want the lockdown to happen, think everything should be open and treat it like normal. They don't want to take a vaccine. They don't want it to be required to take the vaccine. Some people fall into larger conspiracies, like that the vaccine is a microchip that's going to implant in them and control them and da-da-da-da-da. So to be clear, there's a lot of variety in the Kverdenker belief category, I suppose we'll call it. It's actually one of these weird instances where the far left and the far right have backed into each other. So some people who participate in these demonstrations and protests are far right and believe in things like QAnon. Others are far left and are against it because they have more quote-unquote natural, like alternative holistic medical views. So they would be totally anti-vaxxers and they don't like to be restricted. So, you know, (laughs) some of them don't wear shoes. They don't want to wear a mask. I, yeah, I'm not doing the most fair job of representing these different beliefs because I don't hold any of those beliefs and I find it really annoying. And I find it especially annoying when I'm trying to record my podcast and I get interrupted by a freaking car parade. So anyway, it just happened. I felt like I should share it with you guys. As the lockdowns go on in Germany, there's definitely a large range of beliefs of what the government should and shouldn't be doing to handle this crisis. And I think things are really bubbling up now that it's April, we're in month six of a hard lockdown and people are just getting sick of it, myself included. So everyone's running out of patience for each other and for reality. And that's a little glimpse into my evening in these weird corona times. Now, back to the original introduction that I was trying to record, I was saying how excited I am to bring another Travel Germany episode to you guys. In the Travel Germany series, I interview expats across Germany about the places that they've ended up calling home to get their sort of outsider, insider tips and ideas about cities and places that we might not think of when we're thinking of places to visit. I like to feature smaller towns, smaller cities, maybe places you've heard of once or twice, but you wouldn't really call a tourist destination, or even tiny villages that you never would have thought of to go otherwise. That being said, today's Travel Germany episode is about Berlin, which is a tourist destination and is a place that a lot of people will think of in terms of a place they should visit. So why am I featuring it? Well, Berlin is just such a anomaly. It is a very unique place and it's very complex and layered. It's hard to visit, although it's a widely visited place. It is a very difficult place to get to know and it's really overwhelming. So I have today's guest on to help make it a bit more manageable. She takes us to two specific neighborhoods that you've probably never heard of and she tells us about why they're worth visiting and how they give you a good glimpse into Berlin. Now, our guest is an expert in all things Berlin. She runs the blog Berlin and Around, and actually, she just made the decision to go full-time with her blog. So, enjoy!
name is Marguerite. I am originally from Canada, but my dad is from France, so I grew up between both countries. I am currently based in Berlin. I've been here now for, oh gosh, it's going on five years. One of the longest places. <laughs> I lived in Canada for 10 years, but ever since then I've been sort of country hopping. So Germany will be, once it hits five years, it will be the, sec the place I've lived the second longest. That is really crazy. Oh, I'm excited to get into, of course, given the topic of today's episode, I'm sure we'll get to hear about why you chose to stay in Berlin so long in terms of what you like about it. But before we get to that, do you want to fill us in a little bit on, on country hopping? That sounds exciting and interesting. So how did that start? What kind of things did you do? Where'd you go? Already, I think from a very young age, I was already country hopping because my family was from different countries. So between Canada and France, so I was always going over either to France or visiting my mom's family and being actually all over the place. So I was kind of, I grew up with this country hopping culture. And as soon as I graduated university, I, I got a working holiday visa for Australia. So after graduating university, I just, I wanted to go as far away as possible from, from Canada. I don't know why it, it wasn't even that bad. I just wanted to see something, something new. And so I spent two and a half years in Melbourne. It felt too far away from my side of the world. So I actually had the opportunity to go with a company to New York City. So I was there for about six months. I kind of realized that that wasn't necessarily my scene. Moved back to Canada for a year, <laughs> worked in a marketing agency, and then kind of realized that this nine to five marketing agency life wasn't really for me. So I took advantage of my, my French citizenship and decided, okay, I'll go see what's going on in Europe. And that's how I made the leap over to Berlin. After traveling to different countries for a few months, I really started feeling at home in Berlin. It was kind of Berlin combines so many things of so many different cities. You have lots of green spaces, lots of great food. It's a big city, but sometimes it also feels very, you know, very neighborhoody. I don't know. I just, I just felt like home. I think I was at home and settled. And then of course I met my current partner shortly after I sort of committed to Berlin. He's German and he introduced me to all kinds of cool places um, that are more, you know, behind the scenes or what the locals know about more than foreigners. And that's actually sort of how my, my blog got started is, is through his inspiration of showing me cool behind the scenes things in and around Berlin. Is he actually a, a Berliner? He is from Potsdam. So it's a town of about 150,000 people, about 20 or 30 minutes from Berlin. He's actually from a very small village next to that. I don't know much about Berlin and I'm excited to learn more about it today, but I've, I've definitely been told or learned that a true Berliner is a rare breed. <laughs> that Berlin is just a city of all sorts of different outsiders, I guess you could say. Berlin's such a specific place. I think it's interesting to hear about the people who are drawn to it and, and why. Because I imagine if you asked every single inhabitant of the city, they'd almost all have different reasons <laughs> because there's just so much to it. <laughs> That's true. And in that respect, it reminds me a lot of New York City is that everyone who comes here has sort of a dream and wants to try something and be someone, maybe even be someone different from who they were back home. And I love that kind of, you know, dynamic nature of the city. 
And that's one side of it, because until I met my boyfriend, I only hung out with expats. But through him, I've met a lot of Germans and and, and they are here. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, and even the Berliners or the, the Potsdamers, they are around. Yeah, and I mean, I can see why for someone like you who is really craving adventure and with Berlin, you can get that while still having a bit of consistency. And so I could see it being a drawing point, a, a place to anchor where you don't have to be anchored because you can always discover something new. That's exactly it. That's what I love about Berlin is even after five years, I keep discovering new things or new neighborhoods. It's really a great place to live your life and also be able to get away when, when you want yeah. to. I love, I love that. And now they got that great new airport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went there because I, my family, my parents actually live now, they live in Panama, so in Central America. And I, I made the decision to fly over Christmas. It was so empty, but it was, it was a nice airport. But really weirdly, they had euros like pasted on the ground floor. And I don't know if, that, if that was supposed to be art. But <laughs> that, that was an interesting. Um, oh my goodness, this is cracking me up because I so I visited Berlin last summer for the first time. I was only there a handful of days, but I had this feeling that you just could not find the boundary between almost anything. Like, where did the nature stop and the city start? Where did the monument end and what was just a formation? And then another one that I asked myself was, is this art or is this just a pile of trash on the street? Because it's a toss up, depends on where you are. Sometimes it was art, sometimes it was a pile of stuff on the street. Yeah. So the airport's oh, got man. these confusing lack of boundary sort of fluidity yeah. too. Yes, I, at first when I saw these euros I, on the floor, I thought, did someone drop them? Well, why are they here? And I realized... <laughs> Let's get deeper into Berlin. And I'm excited to do this. This is sort of the first big city we're taking on in the Travel Germany series. And I think it's really an appropriate choice because, as you said, Berlin is such a city of neighborhoods. So it's a city of a million different places. And you're going to tell us about two neighborhoods. So one is called Friedenau and the other is Karlshorst. And I want to ask you where we should start. I would say just maybe chronologically, because that's what I discovered first. <laughs> we can start with Friedenau. Okay, so what brought you to Friedenau and what was your first impression? Did you feel like it was love at first sight? I moved to Friedenau, actually. I was just looking for a short-term rental and I found one there. I had never heard of the neighborhood, but when I asked around, I heard several people tell me who actually live there, long-term Berliners, that this was a, a best-kept secret, sort of. So I, I was very intrigued and... I would say that I did love it as soon as I got there. Um, Friedenau is not your typical rugged, Ber gritty Berlin neighborhood, as, as you might imagine. It's more, you have nice long avenues, lots of greenery, beautiful 19th century buildings, actually like clusters of them. And so for me, that's a very nice place to walk around and take pictures. And those are my biggest hobbies. So I was definitely hooked as, as soon as I, as I moved there. Let's say you've never heard of Friedenau. And for me, that's very true. I never had before we <laughs> spoke. So what are the first three things that I should know about it? The first thing is that Friedenau was not bombed at all during World War II. So I think a third of Berlin was, was bombed and destroyed during the Second World War. Friedenau, because there were no factories, there was no 
you know, no points of real interest, no targets, um, it was spared. And so it's one of the only places that you can walk around and still feel like you're, I'd say almost stepping back in time. The S-Bahn, so the, the train station in the area is actually one of those half-timbered houses. So it's, it's very cute and, and very wow. unique <laughs> for Berlin to have, I guess, an older neighborhood like that. Another thing is it's also very up and coming. You have lots of cafes and, and restaurants. There's a big a big street where you can literally just like eat your way <laughs> along <laughs> that street. And also it's becoming a hub for artists. So Friedenau itself is not more than, I don't know, four or five kilometers. And, and there are over 15 art galleries. Like if you just Google art gallery Friedenau, you'll see a bunch of them pop up. And they're all wow. very small and like privately owned. I'm I'm already I'm enticed. I'm interested. <laughs> it's putting it on its on the map for me. Well, and actually there, quick question. Where where is it on the map? It is about well, it's only a 15 minute so S-Bahn or train train ride to the city center. But it's west. So if you have Berlin's Mitte, it's literally west. Yeah, so if it, it, Mitte is just the middle of the city and then Berlin is just this giant sprawling metropolis so this is just a straight line west Got exactly it. and i guess you would say it's pretty close to some very happening neighborhoods like Schöneberg, which is known for its nightlife and also for gay nightlife so super happening and it's also very close to the kdv which is the big department store in berlin so not exactly walking distance but you know you can take the u-bahn the underground train and you can be there in five or ten minutes so it's actually still quite central, but very, very different from the more central areas. And let's say that I'm coming to Berlin for a weekend and my my accommodations are in Friedenau. What would some things be that I should definitely do in the neighborhood itself? So things I should see, things I should taste, consume. <laughs> <laughs> I would say there's a street called Rheinstraße, and that's the main, so the busiest street in the area. And you have so many restaurants on either side, you have anything from Thai, Vietnamese, Japanese, also, you know, traditional German cuisine, and a bunch of cafes. So some, one of my favorites is actually called Lula am Markt. It's a great sort of late brunch place. So you can have brunch pretty much all day. That's actually facing a small market, which runs from, I think it's Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And this is sort of a local farmer's market where you can get all kinds of cheeses and like handcrafted products. So all, all kinds of cool stuff. It's also worth a visit if you happen to be there on a Thursday or Wednesday or Saturday. It's just kind of meet the locals and try some cheese. Aside from that, Friedenau has a lot of, as I said, you know, for me, it's really cool to just walk around and soak up the architecture. You can get out of the ESPA and station, so the train station, and right away you'll have these grand buildings and long avenues and you can sort of just go for a walk. As you're walking, you won't really miss, you, you can't miss um, some of the little parks and squares. There's a square called Cetiliengarten um, and it's surrounded by Art Deco buildings, so I think it's about 100 years old. Inside, it has a lovely little rose garden and a fountain. So it's a fun, fun place to also hang out. And we can we can expand our geographical radius here when we're talking about Friedenau and 
Um, I usually like to ask about day trips from the location, but obviously there's a lot of places that you could day trip to from Berlin as a whole. But again, Berlin is just so massive (laughs) that I think it's also interesting to hear what's around it. So even if you wanted to recommend another neighborhood nearby or if there's certain little destinations that are easier to get to from, for instance, Friedenau than maybe other parts in the east, for example. Sure. Actually, um, there's a direct train line from Friedenau that goes straight to Wannsee, which is the biggest lake in the Berlin area. It's a great place not just for swimming and sailing, but also for hiking. So it's a really great destination year round and it's super popular with Berliners. As you said, it's much closer. For example, I think it's about 30 minutes. And, And remember, Berlin is sprawling. So it's 30 minutes from a Western neighborhood like Friedenau. Um, but it would already take you 45 minutes or 50 minutes from Mitte, so the city center. So I think that would be, a, that's definitely a, a good day trip from, from Friedenau. Cool. Okay. And are there any specific festivals or even just times of year that you would recommend people visit to specifically Friedenau? Actually, yes. So between April and May, um, the cherry blossoms are blooming in Berlin, um, which is, you know, ups- my absolute favorite season. And Friedenau happens to be relatively close to the grounds where the annual Cherry Blossom Festival takes place. That's actually also about, I think it's about 35 minutes to get there, which once again in Berlin is nothing at all. Um, And so it's it's very, it's a very cool festival where, you know, people can just hang out under the cherry blossoms and taste sake and, you know, their different performances and artists, sort of a joint collaboration between Japan and Germany. So it's also a very big event here. The cherry trees happen to be planted where the Berlin Wall used to stand. So it's kind of a sign of hope, right, where there used to be a great divide. That's really, really beautiful. Wow. Okay, and this is the selfish question of the list. Um, I, I'm a lifelong bookworm and I even work as a librarian. So I love all things book related. And I love to ask if that area has any cool bookstores or libraries that are worth checking out. Unfortunately not. Sorry. <laughs> Heartbroken. No, um, that's one thing that I wasn't able to find. Womp womp. Well, I'll still consider going. No, and- okay. <laughs> um, one of my favorite questions to ask is you personally, as someone who's lived in that neighborhood, who spent a lot of time there, who's probably discovered a lot of little nooks and crannies or developed relationships with certain places. What is your personal very favorite spot to sit in that neighborhood? I would say it's the Sicilian Garten. So sitting by the Rose Garden with the fountain running in the summer is really nice. I'm also a huge foodie. And so when I worked there, I was also working from home a lot. And I could take my lunch break and take advantage of the lunch menu and try all of these restaurants. So I would say I'm either sitting in the park or, you know, eating sushi. This would be my favorite. <laughs> or both. Or both. Sushi to go. Yeah. Take it to the park. <laughs> oh, yeah. COVID style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now we're going to double back on all of those same questions, but take on a very different neighborhood. So this one is called Karlshorst. And you can take on the first couple questions together. So where is this place? What are three things that we should know about it, but also what was your personal relationship with it? How did you discover this neighborhood? And what was your first impression? Friedenau is very much the West and Karlshorst is pretty much 
as much in the east as Friedenau is in the west. So when I moved there, I had a complete contrast. Actually, my, my parents own an Airbnb in Panama, and one of their guests was a German couple. And that was the time my, my partner and I were looking for a new apartment. And so the funny story is that we were able to, well, my parents were saying, oh, my daughter lives in Berlin and she needs a place. And, and this guy was like, I have a place and it's in Kaltos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then so the rest, the rest is history. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really, really random. And that's also just such a perfect example of how people find housing in most parts of Germany. <laughs> there is a very well-known here, Wohnungsnot, they call it. So there's just a housing mm-hmm. shortage and yes. people find places to live through any corner <laughs> or any way that they can. So including Airbnb guests in Panama. <laughs> yeah, super, super random. But yeah, the housing scene is, is no better in Berlin. I thought it was just a Berlin thing. Um, but no, you just told it's me. All over. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> Awful. Okay, so when when they said we have this apartment in Carlsruhe, was this a place you'd even been to or or heard about? Nope. (laughs) We had not heard about it. I would say it was actually, it was sort of fascination at first sight because I Googled it after or before I visited the apartment and I found out so many cool things. For example, I'm a huge history nerd and I found out that Carlsruhe is the exact setting where World War II came to an end. So that's where the German army signed their official surrender in 1945. After that, the entire area became a no man's land. So it was taken over by the Soviet army. And this is where the KGB is located. Actually, now um, there's a Catholic university in the same building. So the, the, um, the KGB, so the Soviet Secret Service occupies yeah so sometimes if you're wandering around you'll see random watchtowers they're still there um i think that some of them are protected in um so in german it's called denkmalschutz it's like protection do you know what it is it's like monument and yes exactly exactly and so it feels completely different it almost for me it seems like it's a jump back into Soviet times. And that that's what for me is very fascinating. In terms of the three things we should know, I'm taking it that this whole KGB situation <laughs> is one of them. Yes. Um, if you like old spy movies or you're interested in DDR history, this is definitely a place to visit. There's a German-Russian museum here, which outlines the whole history of the war. And I think it's actually the most complete museum in Berlin. It's not mentioned very much by guidebooks, but if you're interested in World War II at all, then this is a great place to come and and find out more, especially about the Russian army. Flash forward (laughs) to modern times. On the eastern side of Karlshaus, you have a very big forest. It's called Wulheide and there are so many walking trails. They don't even appear on Google Maps. So it's kind of like you're going off into really into like a huge forest. Wow. And yeah, lots of like, trails and meadows. Oh, and the other day I saw deer. Like they, when I was walking, they just ran pretty much three meters of like in front of me. That's a pretty unique feature about this. this yeah, neighborhood. In, in Berlin. We are very far east. So it's actually, it's about 20 minutes to get to the center of town with the train however you do feel like you're miles away but 
we're somewhat close to the Brandenburg border. So the next, um, the next Bundesland. That's such an interesting overlap of being right on the edge of the forest in actually a different state. And then at the same hand, on the same hand, being quite close to the center of everything. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm actually, I think I'm exaggerating. Um, Brandenburg is probably about another 10 or 15 kilometers away. I feel like I, I don't know how long it would take you to get from like the top edge to the bottom edge or the, the west e- edge to the east edge edge in Berlin, but a long time. And so you're sort of in the sweet spot where you could, in a pretty quick hop, skip and a jump, be <laughs> on either out in nature, out in a different place, or right in the center of it all. Yeah, exactly. That's it's a great location, actually, for both. I think it takes over, an, it definitely takes over an hour to go from the east to the west, probably even an hour and a half. And that's if you have a car. Um, If you are taking public transport because of the connections, I can definitely safely say two hours. It is overwhelming for me to think about. (laughs) (laughs) It was when I first got here, but you get used to the distances. So so let's say that, again, I'm I'm doing my Berlin weekend, but this time I've decided to stay in Karlsforst. I'm definitely going to hit up the museum, you said, because that sounds very, very cool. But what other things should I get into? Any any cool cafes or restaurants I should visit? Well, if you're into abandoned places, yep. <laughs> <laughs> there is the oldest airport in Berlin that was built in Karlshorst, um, right behind a, a grouping of Kleingarten. You know what I mean? Those little, they have those in the Like cell. the Schreiber Gardens? Like little gardens that are individually owned by yes. people and there are just so many of them. Anyway, there's a whole colony of those. I'm guessing they actually came after the airport, but that's how I discovered the airport, the old airport, is I was wandering through these little gardens and I started to see some oval rooftops and I was like, what are those? So I ended up going a little bit further into the gardens and there's a huge fence. Anyway, you can see the old terminals of this, of this airport. And so I went home and I Googled it and I found out that it was originally an airship terminal built in 1907. And it was used during, during the First World War. It was actually commissioned away from the private owner, or like he was forced to give it up to the army after World War One. It wasn't used again for a short time, it was a flight school. But those are buildings that haven't been touched since, I think, 1917. They have put a fence around it. I guess you could go through the fence. I, I haven't personally. There are some openings. It's still really cool. Like you can see the buildings, like you can see the whole structure. You can't see me right now, but my jaw is just dropped because what <laughs> is Berlin that there are multiple abandoned airports that you can just stumble across in the middle of this giant city? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. It does sound kind of crazy when you think about when you like really think about it, and we're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> another oh, another one. one. Another oh, whatever. One. That yeah, is yeah. so freaking cool. I would totally go and try to hop the fence, go through the <laughs> So, so that's definitely something to see. And another thing that Cosmos has, it has a race course. So you have all the stables with all the horses, visible and open to the publics. But see, that's one of the things where it feels like you've completely left the city behind is that you can go for a walk along a pasture and you can get very close to different stables of horses. I think there haven't been any races since COVID, which is also something I'm not, you know, such a fan of, but they do take really good care of the horses and 
there are ponies as well. So it's also like doubles up as a riding school. Wow, this is such an interesting place. With, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I was already like, wow, this is pretty wild when you mentioned the KGB stuff and the watchtowers that are around. But then you took me to an abandoned airport and then <laughs> a, race, a racetrack. Like, this is really a dynamic little spot you've got there. Yeah, it is. I was not expecting it to be. And I've actually discovered a lot of this um, as I've just been walking around or running. And I go jogging a lot. And so that's a good way for me to discover places that are a bit further away. So yeah, that's how I I came across these old like watchtowers and things like running and then, oh, (laughs) what's that? And there's another one. Uh, they're actually not not that many. I think I've seen two or three. You do have to look for them. So if people come to Kalshorst, actually, I have a map of Kalshorst for for my blog with the exact you know GPS coordinates of all these places. I'm definitely happy to share that with you guys. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. I always link to a, a post with the full list of recommendations. So we can definitely link to your blog post about that. That would be great. I do just love the feeling that like. You found two or three, there might be more, maybe not, but you <laughs> never know where you could find one. Like, you're just going to be walking around, going to grab a coffee. Oh, there's another thing to discover. But speaking of that, yeah, any any food and drink recommendations? That's a bit, the, that's the downside here, is that you don't really have that many cafes or anything. There's a really good pizza place. It's called Trattoria Familiato. They have a lovely terrace and, and, and they do have ice cream. I've seen lots of queues on warm days, you know, families waiting with their kids. So they seem to have. So I have to try that, actually, when it gets a bit warmer, <laughs> have to try their ice cream. Aside from that, unfortunately, no, they're not that many cafes or restaurants. It's just it's more suburbs and like Soviet monuments. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I've got some extra time there. And again, as we said earlier, there's just so much to Berlin that certain areas are easier to get to as a sort of quote unquote day trip from one place to another. So as you said, we're pretty far towards east here. Yeah. What are some day trips or little, as they say in German, the little Ausflüge, little little adventures that you can get to from Karlsforst? Actually, if you are into nightlife and also you're a foodie like me, you can take the S-Bahn, so the train, about three stops and you get closer to the city to Warschauer Straße in Friedrichshain. And that's a very, very happening neighborhood. They have so many different, well, everything. So you can do that if you want more city life, you know, like stay in Karlshorst and then go over to Warschauer Straße. Um, if you want something a bit more in nature, you can go to another very big lake. It's called Mögensee, and it is East Berlin's answer to Wannsee. So I think it's it's funny. <laughs> when you think about it, it's whatever there is in the East, there also is in the West. It's almost like they're mirror images of each other. Like, for example, there's even a zoo in the East and a zoo in the West. <laughs> but but that, wow. that's an aside. So you can go to Mbegelsee and you can do the same things as you can in Wannsee, like hiking, sailing, swimming, just relaxing by the water. It's much closer. It's actually only about 15 minutes by car, 20 minutes or so with, with the train. I guess another day trip that's worth it is, it's also part of Berlin, but this, you're very much on the outer edges of Berlin. It's called Kürpanik. And it is a 
it's a, it's a town that used to not belong to Berlin that has, I think in the last 100 years or two, 200 years, um, joined Berlin. And it is a town that is surrounded by water. So you have I think two different rivers that intersect and you have a bunch of canals and you also have a little old town. So more traditional, you know, fishermen's huts or fishermen's houses, old half timber houses. It's a complete change of ambiance from the big city. And definitely something I would recommend to do much more easily from Karlshorst because you need an hour from, from Mitte to get there. But from Karlshorst, you only need about 10 minutes on the train plus a walk. So about 20 minutes and you can be there. And in terms of times of year, is there a season that is the most fun to be there? Or are there any festivals or events that you would recommend? And the autumn is actually very beautiful because you have lots of old trees and they all become, you know, golden or red. And I was able to get some amazing pictures last year. So another thing that I underestimated is, you know, the natural beauty here in the fall. And um, in terms of festivals, you know, so in this big forest that I told you about, there's actually a stage in the middle of the forest. And <laughs> yeah, um, very random, but there is a stage and you will have major bands and performers like Deichkens. I actually have tickets to Deichkens in September, so I'm super looking forward to that. But that's actually more year round. So it's not really a festival. It's just, you know, whenever performers come to town. And my selfish question, um, our last neighborhood wasn't so hot for books, but <laughs> how are we doing here in the East? Any good bookstores or libraries in the area? Okay, not in Karlshorst, but if you go to Warschauer Straße, so it's about, once again, I think three S-Bahn stops away, there is a bookstore called Shakespeare and Co. It is an English language bookstore. And you can also enjoy some coffee while you're there and browse the books. Nice. Very, very cool. Okay. And you you live in this neighborhood and you've already shared lots of really cool spots. But what what's your favorite spot to be in the neighborhood? I like watching the horses. So after a day at work, I like to go over wander along a little path and then go over over a hill and on the other side of the hill you can see the horses for me that's a perfect way to end with a stressful day or any day it's just you know be so close to nature well you've done such a good job of explaining these two neighborhoods and i have to say i you've picked great places to live and what cool and interesting diverse experiences you've gotten from both but to wrap us up on both fronts I want to have you give us your elevator pitch for one neighborhood and then the other. And if you have one for Berlin overall, I'll take that as well. (laughs) (laughs) So if you love cafes and art and walking around and seeing beautiful old buildings, Friedenau is definitely worth a visit. If on the other hand, you're more interested in the grungy but a very real history where you can still see the impact of some of Germany's darkest times. I think that Karlsholst might be your first pick. And I think that Berlin, for me, is actually a fusion of Friedenau and Karlsholst. So you'll have elements of both just kind of fused together, and that would sum up Berlin somewhat. As much as Berlin can be. As much as Berlin can be summed up. But I think that's what Berlin is, is it's a fusion of many different worlds and many different people coming from all over the world. And everyone has kind of left their mark, even in their small way. 
it's such a dynamic place. And I think that everyone should visit Berlin. I will second that. I wasn't so sure about Berlin before I went. Just really? no one. Yeah, this was the thing. No one could describe it to me. I knew everyone loved Berlin, but I would say, why? What about it? And they would be like, well, there's just like this cool feeling and like it's just a cool <laughs> place. And I, did, I don't know. I just couldn't really get a grasp of it. And so I wasn't. I just couldn't picture why I should be there other than obviously it's, it's an important city. So I knew there was something, but I, I just couldn't get excited about the idea of it because I didn't have a picture in my head. And then I went and I understood why no one could give me a quick, easy answer as to why they like Berlin, because it's so complex and layered. And as you said, everyone's left their mark. And to take that really in is just, it's work, you know, it's really yes. a city you have to put some work into, but it's it's so worth it. And I already left then thinking, okay, I need to come back and, and keep figuring this place out. But you've given two really, really good suggestions of where to start with that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And if you're not sick of answering my questions, no. I've got three more for you. <laughs> All right. They are the, the deck, deck, decks. It's the rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it overthinking it you just go with your <laughs> okay are you ready let's go <laughs> what is your favorite big city other than berlin paris what is your brunch beverage of choice latte soy milk and finally if you had an unlimited budget to go get the best meal in all of berlin where are you headed what's your favorite place to eat or your dream place to eat that is a good question. You know, one really good thing is that Berlin is not expensive. So eating out is super cheap. So there isn't like a Michelin star experience or, or, or maybe there is, but I would be very happy to actually just go to, there is something called the Thai, like Thai park where you can, where Thai people sit and make their local specialties and sell them just like in the park on the weekends. It's not, it's not expensive, so it's not really requiring a budget, but that's really for me sort of like quintessential Berlin. That's where, where I would go. Oh, that sounds really cool. You, you've definitely proven that you you know your Berlin and <laughs> lucky for everyone, you've put the information to, to good use. So can you tell us a bit about your blog and where people can find you? I blog about Berlin and Germany from an expat perspective, and you can find me at Berlin and Around. So that is just berlinandaround.com. I also post a lot of pictures on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Berlin and Around. Wonderful. I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes. And as said, there will be a post with all of the places that we talked about in this episode, or at least links to everything that is linkable, but there were a couple things that are just obscure Berlin-isms. So those you're going to have to discover for yourselves. But <laughs> other than that, it'll be in the show notes. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Marguerite for coming onto the show. Links to her website and social media are in the show notes, as well as the link to the blog post on the Expat Cast, where you can find all of the wonderful places that were mentioned in this week's episode. You can also follow me, if you're not already, on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast, and you can visit me online for the blog post and more at theexpatcast.com. 
As always, I am eternally grateful for every review and rating you guys leave me. You can do that on the website, on Apple Podcasts, or on Podchaser. I want to thank, as always, Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Sidehug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with an episode centering around this big question we've probably all had at least once. Should I stay or should I go? Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Try to find your last reserves of patience as we push through this corona spring. Bis dann. Tschüss.